Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. And this is Dimity in Denver. And Sarah, I'm dying to hear about your quote unquote adventure on Monday morning on your on your morning run. Yes, the week got off to quite a um, start. So interesting start. Huh? Yes. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so so a little background on it. So I live in Northeast Portland, and there have been reports and sightings of a pantsless runner here in Portland. Has not been um, doing anything other than running without his pants on, and um, so that women runners see him. And so, you is know, he? Uh, stop for one second. Yeah. Time out, because I'm going to have questions along oh, the way. Oh, I know. So, oh, and I'm trying. I'm talking a little slowly so that you can, you know, interject. Okay. Does he wear a shirt? Oh, I'll tell you about what he was wearing when I saw him. Yeah. So that. Yeah. He's not. So he's not fully naked. Yeah. So there were reports of a man. That's why they we call him the pantsless runner. So, and someone even emailed us at our Gmail account yes, about it. Yes, Jessica, yes, who I know so, here in town and who uh, Molly, my writing partner, knows. And so, yes, so she had – because, I mean, um, you know, us, us women runners like to stick together. So there had definitely been reports kind of circulating. You know, Molly had gotten an email from a friend and forwarded it on to me. And so so we had actually that – you know, so we had kind of joked. We're like, wow, we're out here a lot in this neighborhood. You know, why haven't we seen the pantsless guy? So – so anyway, so I don't know. So Monday morning, we set out just like we do every morning, except we were 10 minutes, starting 10 minutes later than we usually do because we'd run 12 miles a day before. And we're like, okay, we don't need to run an hour. Let's run for 50 minutes. So, but I don't know. We both just had a premonition that something was going to, we were going to see the guy. So it was the, definitely the first time that I ever felt some trepidation when I headed out to go running. And so had my knuckle light on and running toward Molly's house. She lives six blocks from me. We run toward, you know, three blocks toward each other. And so I'm thinking that as I'm running over to her and the first words out of her mouth, which is like, she was like, this is the first time I've ever felt, you know, a little bit nervous. And, and further background is there was a rape, um, a stranger on stranger rape in a, uh, in a nearby park on, last oh, week. Shoot. Oh, yes. Wow. So we definitely, so, and that was in an area called Grant Park, um, where our high school is. And, um, and it was not a high school student, but um, so we specifically said to each other, we admitted we were feeling nervous and we said, OK, well, we're not going to Grant Park. So we um, instead headed north and we're running and the uh, a number of the sightings have been on the street called Stanton. And so we actually made a joke when we get to Stanton. We're like, well, we're not turning down Stanton. So we we head up what's called the ridge to this road called Alameda. It's really popular with runners. It's very wide. It it um in northeast the streets are kind of on a grid, but Alameda is curvy, so it's like oh oh we don't have to run in a straight line. So that's you know adds a little excitement. So anyway, so we're running, chat chat chatting like Molly and I do, and we get to this one where this one street co- intersection where one street crosses another, and 
I'm so busy talking to Molly that the only thing I notice about the man who's um, running, you know, on the street perpendicular to ours is that he has what to me looked like a like he was holding this big black beard up against his face. And so I'm like thinking, why is that dude like running with a huge bushy beard pushed up against his face? And I didn't notice that he wasn't wearing any pants. And so, but Molly says to him and to me, says, you really need to put on some pants. And she didn't say it in a, you know, in a jokey way. She didn't say it in a hysterical way. She just, yeah, just as a matter of fact, just as a matter of fact. And later she admitted to me, it was to get my attention because she realized that I wasn't noticing that he wasn't wearing pants. And so, so she, wait, so, so it was, I mean, so you said he was in a street perpendicular to you. So how close was he to you? I, I thought you guys was, were coming at each other. No. So he was running. So we were running um, East. He was running South and he was, hmm, I would say 20 to 30 feet away from us. So it was not a close encounter by any means. I mean, maybe so he was she even... yell that? I mean, or did she well, it's, it's pretty. It's pretty silent. I mean, there's no cars around. There's, okay. you know, it's dark. There, not that that adds to, to add sound or not, whether whether it's dark out or not, but there, there was no, you know, it's very it's quiet. quiet. And so yeah, she okay. just um, said, you really need to put on some pants. And he seemed so delighted that someone had noticed that he wasn't wearing pants and that we talked to him. And so he just turns and looks at us and goes, why? In a very, no other word can describe it except for jovial. He was portly and jovial. And and we didn't feel threatened at all. And she just said, because it's really inappropriate that you're not wearing pants. And so, and I mean, she just really sounded like she was talking to a kid or something. I mean, it was very mother, you know, like a mom kind of scolds or reprimands her kid. And so then I kind of switched. So by this point, we have run, he's run south of us, we've run east of him, so that we've, our paths have intersected without us intersecting. And, okay. and so at no, at no point did we feel at all like he was going to attack us or come after us or anything. But I just switched into safety mode. And I said, you know, in my very loud voice, I said, uh, we're going to my friend's house. She lives right over there and we're calling 911. And so that's exactly what we did. We were two doors away from Mother Runner Krista, who I know quite well um, through the tribe. And so, and I also know, oh, and I said, her husband is a uh, gets up really early, so I know they're awake. And so, because he does, he's, a, I don't know, his business really involves good. him getting, <laughs> yes. Even if it wasn't true, Sarah, that's really good. <laughs> I know. Um, so I, we walk on over and Molly rings the doorbell and I'm like, thinking, oh my gosh, it's going to like make her break out into like an adrenaline sweat. But so, um, and I just said really loudly, the door, Krista, it's Sarah. And so, um. You know, and we we kept we kept our eyes out to make sure that you know pantsless man wasn't like you know coming up on us or something, and so she finally answers the door, and and since she'd heard about it, she you know was kind of half expecting this knock on the door eventually, and so uh, so I called nine one one, and um and so I was, so I was giving a description to the officer who answered, and Chris was like, wow, Sarah really paid attention closely, and so he was wearing a white like Hanes T-shirt that um pretty much stopped at the waist so you could see everything from the waist down. He had kind of cheap white socks and white running, they weren't even running shoes. They were like sneakers. And then he definitely, I told the officer that I thought he had um, a fake beard on. And then as I was running more, uh, Molly and I decided that it was probably his tights or his pants pushed up against his face. And so that's, uh-huh. a, so I've talked to the officer, I've talked to a sergeant who's been assigned to the case. And, oh, and I have to say, so they said, you know, 911 said that they were sending out a squad car immediately. 
And Molly and I, in true Molly and Sarah fashion, were like, well, we're not going to let this get in the way of our run. So we we <laughs> kept running. And, you know, but like we saw a woman running toward us and we told her what we'd just seen. And so she said, oh, I usually run with these guys. I'll go back and find them. And um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So I've talked to the um, officer on the case since then. And I mean, they're taking it super seriously. And um, good, that's great to hear. Yeah, and also, unfortunately, uh, they suspect that this same person has been exposing himself to school children during the school day, and so um, oh, yeah. you know, which is um, not very, not a matter to be troubling. laughed at at all. Well, it's yes, troubling on, it's troubling to be running pantsless, but super troubling for that. I mean, and what what this reminds me of, Sarah, is our conversation we had with Susan Shorn, the self defense expert sure. in Austin, mm-hmm. and she was talking about. Um, about how, yeah, maybe that isn't so threatening and maybe you didn't feel scared, but that's that, you know, the person that does that, you know, obviously has some issues going on and oh, you don't and, know what can come up next. And oh, so, and, and or what's going to escalate it. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, cause then, cause then, so as Molly and I are running, you know, she said, oh, well, you know, when we, when we see him again, what should we do? You know, should we have, you know, followed him? Should we have, and I was like, no, we are not going to engage that guy again. And I said, probably in hindsight, we shouldn't have talked to him. Because it turned out that – so then it was like the guy's everywhere and the police think that he probably has a car parked nearby because he's covering a lot of ground. And um, and he definitely didn't look like he was – I don't know. I just can't imagine running more than, a, I don't know, a couple blocks without your pants on. Um, he didn't have a Ryan Hall physique to him. <laughs> he did not. And also just, you know, kind of the whole junk bouncing around and, you know, it's, yeah. we're having a cold snap out here. So anyway, so, the, so he... Um, Let's just talk practicality. <laughs> right. No. So he... Um, he, there was a report then, of, you know, because it made the news, and I guess the um, the media know that it's been going on, so they monitor the police scanners. So within 15 minutes, there were news media helicopters overhead, and um, and you know, so they had, and then I ended up being on the news about it, and. Oh. Um, mainly because Chris saw the news truck out there, and so she, so she texts me, and and I said, oh, we'll go over and ask them if they want to talk to me. And so she goes over and knocks, and she's like, I know one of the runners who saw the pantsless guy this morning. Do you want her to come over? And they're like, yeah. So uh, right. no, I saw it. We'll, we'll put a, a link to the clip. You did a great job. I thought that that you did a good job. Very poised, and um, and you looked very nice running. But thanks. yeah, I think I mean that's. I'm sorry that you had to deal with that, and I'm and but I'm kind of glad we're talking about it because um, again, like the the idea that um, you know that you guys reported it, and then also like the community thing that I think that that that's also what Susan talked about, and I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. I mean, when that email showed up in our run mother Gmail inbox, I was like, that is cool. I mean, not cool that we have to send it forward, but I like that, that people are on top of things. And now you've got to, like she was talking about, you have a contact, you mm-hmm. have a sergeant who can be your person. And, you know, and if so, if you see anything else that's odd or, you know, or if he gets or something, whatever, I mean, it's just, yeah. I, it's the community feel and that's, and I, you know, I mean, I, I, it's not that you want that situation to happen. So you get that, but I'm glad you have it now. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. And that's, and that was my rationale for going on the news was this so that people, I mean, I wanted people to know about it, but I also don't want people in, in, in this instance in Northeast Portland, I don't want people, I don't want it keeping people inside. I don't want it turning them off from running because it, you know, the more people who know about that will be good, but also it, it did not seem threatening, and um, you know, as you point out, it could escalate. But but at this point, it's not threatening, and you know, I, we saw a lot more women. Molly and I ran today, so that was two days after it happened, and you know, we saw more. I thought more groups of women runners this morning, or pairs of women runners, and 
And so, you know, take some precautions like that, but don't let it keep you inside or keep you away from your running. And and so then when I went to, um, I went to the bar. Oh, class. no, Sarah, st- stop for one second. Yeah. I don't think, I think it's fair to let people let it keep them inside. I mean, I'm, cause if that would have been you by yourself and you passed him, I mean, I know for my, my, I mean, this happened to me once and not the way that it happened to you, but I was running by myself on a Santa Fe road, you know, there again, not very much traffic. And we were going by an Arroyo, which is basically a ditch. I was running by an Arroyo and there was a guy down there jacking off and I saw him. I don't think he saw me, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I won't lie. I mean, it scared the living shit out of me, excuse my language. And I was so fast on the way home. I wanted to get away from that so quickly. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, I think there's safety in numbers for sure. But I think if somebody is scared, I think they they have got a treadmill. I mean, I don't oh, know. Oh, it's, it's, it's certainly a woman's prerogative to run um, indoors if she wants. I'm not saying that. But I don't want people to feel um, threatened, want threatened that, and intimidated. And, and then I think he wins somehow. That he... Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. But I also think like, you know, and I think, oh, I'm not time, saying, you know, like you get, I mean, you kind of like, okay, you know, and after that happened to me in Santa Fe, I didn't run on that road for a long time. And then, you know, whatever it was, two months later, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go back to that road. I love that route. And, but, um, but it's yeah. definitely, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, know. so I mean, so I'm, I've, I've been trying to spread the word. I, uh, when I went to my bar class yesterday, I told all the women, or a lot of the women in the class live up on the near the Alameda Ridge, and so I made sure I told them and and you know let them know what had happened. And then also, um, I mean, this morning when Molly and I set out to run, we're like, okay, you know, we have choices as to where we can run. We were like, we're not going to go back to Grant Park, and we're not going to go up to Alameda. So let's go to a neighborhood that is kind of near us, but we rarely go to. And um, so that's where we chose to run this morning. Yeah, no, that's good. And I definitely wasn't attacking you, but I just feel like, you know, and I and I think that 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 you know, I am invincible kind of attitude is good and is definitely it's great to have and you got to have that kind of armor around you, but at the same time, you know, it's I mean, I think it's scary. I was scared for you when I got your text on Monday morning. I felt sick to my stomach. Like that is not that to me is not something that I would be like, oh, you know, let's go out and run again tomorrow morning. I think I might have taken a little bit of a break personally. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's... I mean, it was it was the guy, as I said, it, he was very, like, just jovial. And it just seemed, and I don't know, maybe it's also a little bit of a Portland thing because. I was about to say, it it's, sounds very it, it is a Portland thing. thing. And, you know, it you is a Portland thing. like, knitted arm warmers yeah, or something, so, right? <laughs> so that there, you know, he didn't have a bird on it. But, um, but, but I do have to say there was. Um, you know, I was I was a little skeeved out, but but there's this there's this is sort of related. There's an um, an annual naked bike ride here in Portland, and it happens at night. But we have been to a bike parade that happens the same day of the naked bike ride, and it just has a real like keep Portland weird vibe to it. And and so we've seen the naked cyclist during the day. I've seen a naked cyclist on a, on um, uh, April Fool's Day one year. So, you know, people being, you know, clothing optional is not an entirely odd thing. And I got a sense that sort of this guy, I mean, he's certainly looking for a reaction from people, but that it could also just be that he kind of likes being free and liberated. And so, so and, and so I thought, oh, maybe that's just me thinking that. But then last night, our neighbor stopped by um, and she's, I don't know, she's in her late 60s, maybe, or mid-60s. And so I was telling her about it because just kind of, you know, want want people to be aware of things happening in our neighborhood. And yeah. she, said, she said, you know, that reminds me of the naked bike ride. And I was like, mm-hmm, me too. 
So. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's, and I mean, just thinking back to my experience, like that felt very violent. Like he was in a different place than, hi, mm-hmm. I'm running down the street trying to get a reaction with no pants on. Like mm-hmm. he was in a different world, you know? And so maybe that's, I mean, every situation's different. Yeah. But. So, cause, cause like definitely when they, they, um, the news media has been billing it as a flasher. And to me, a flasher is, you know, a guy in a coat who comes up and is very much in your personal space, exposes himself that you thought maybe he was wearing clothes. I mean, this guy is just, just not wearing pants and not getting close. Just pantsless. <laughs> yeah. So. He's just pantsless with his jockey shirt on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. His cheap white socks. <laughs> yeah. And his non-running shoes. So, yeah. Yeah. So it, um, you know, and, and, and I, I am always pleased to have Molly by my side. So it was nice to um, have somebody with me. But, um, but in all honesty, I'm not sure I would have noticed that he wasn't wearing pants if Molly hadn't called my attention to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, might have been different if you guys were coming at each other. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, that you know, so that's safety in numbers. I mean, that's what I think. Gosh, mm-hmm. more than anything is if you have a pal next to you, it, everything feels so much more oh, less intimidating, it, more less intimidating. You know, less scary, more fun. The time passes yeah. quickly. Yeah, I mean, yes. three three cheers for for running partners. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, hey, let's get off pantsless, dude, because we've given him more airspace than he deserves. Yes. Um, yeah. um, and let's talk about our guests. Um, you want to tell us who's coming on today, SBS? So, yes. Yeah, so we're having the founders of Black Girls Run join us today. That's Tony Carey and Ashley Hicks. And I... Um, It's been a long time coming to get them to come on the show because I kept on saying, oh, well, have us, you know, join us in October or join us, you know, three weeks from now. Finally, I'm like, you know what? I want to do it in February. So it's it's Black History Month. So that's why we are talking with the co-founders of Black Girls Run today. So thanks for joining us, Tony Carey and Ashley Hicks. We're pleased you, uh, it's been a long time coming, so we're pleased you're joining us. Thanks. We're excited to, to chat with you guys. Yeah. So so tell us about the genesis of Black Girls Run. You've had an amazing growth since you both founded it in 2009. Tell us a little bit about how it started and why. Yeah, we started in 2009, like you said, after um, us just being on our own journey with running, um, Ashley had been running for quite some time and I followed suit after seeing how much she loved it. And through those experiences, we found that, you know, in the African-American community, running for leisure is not something that um, we do. So, you know, it, it became very isolating when we would go to events or running groups. So we wanted to um, make running a little more accessible for black women, particularly and, you know, obesity is such a huge epidemic in our community. Approximately 80% of African-American mm. women are overweight or obese. Mm. And so, you know, and running, we found we thought would be a perfect way to fight those statistics. So it was really the marriage of our love for running and hoping that we could influence women as well. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Before before we get too far into Black Girls Run, give us a little background on your running. You said um, Ashley was a runner before you were, Tony. Did you coax her into it, Ashley? Or, you know, tell us a little bit about how you guys started running. Right. Yeah, I started running in 2006. And uh, initially, I don't think Tony thought it was cool or the thing Not at all. <laughs> um, kind of way our relationship works. Um, so anyway, so yeah, she thought it was 
pretty lame for like the first couple of years. And then she decided to, she moved to New Jersey and had a breakup. And so then she decided to start running. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it was something that I guess took a little, took it a took little. a little time. It took a, yeah, to convince me that it was um, not mere insanity, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, do you all race together or um, we don't do a lot of running together. Um, Ashley is quite a bit faster than me. Oh. So. <laughs> and even if oh, I run at her pace. Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. BarkBoxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first BarkBox. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love for free, because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a six- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com. Dot com slash amr that's barkbox.com slash amr woof thanks to storyworth for supporting our podcast storyworth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other here's how it works purchase a storyworth subscription for someone you love and each week storyworth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life the person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a storyworth number after a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted Storyworth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit storyworth.com AMR when you subscribe. That's storyworth.com AMR. Like she'll just be like, go ahead, go, go, go ahead. I'm like, no, I don't mind running at this thing. It makes me feel awkward. <laughs> yeah, as as the one who is often the slower one, I'm always, I'm always like, I'd rather have the pressure off. Like, you just go run your own race, and I'll do my own thing. I'm fine. I'll see the finish line. You know, exactly. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, so what is the mission of Black Girls Run? Yeah, so our mission is to really encourage. Um, and empower women of color to get healthy and active. Um, it's something, and that's been our mission from day one, even just as bloggers. It was like, you know what, how can we make an impact in our community? How can we do it in a fun way that would be engaging and that people would want to latch on to? Um, and really, how do we change the statistics? Because, um, you know, although we, we have a good time and we could all the time, it's, it's still really serious that 80% of of African-American women are obese or overweight. Um, so we're still, our mission is still to, to tackle those statistics. And what sort of things do you feel you really have to overcome in the African-American community that, that maybe you wouldn't have to in a different demographic in terms of getting them convinced that running's a good idea? Probably just the perception of running. I mean, people, I, I guess like people think of it as kind of like this, 
um, old white guy sport. They see, you know, the guys in the short shorts and like, it's almost like this pre-Fontaine image that they would have in their heads. Right. Um, so really getting, getting people to see that the, the value in running too, because it's not until you start to run that you understand like the mental benefits and, you know, stress relief and runner's high and all of that. Um, so there's just, you know, I think it, the main thing though, is just helping them to understand that this can be something, um, enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you have any, um, people that, that, you know, like you feel like you have come, come into your ranks that like are big success stories. I mean, we, we have the same philosophy at AMR. We often say like the second running boom wears a running skirt, you know, just because it is a different perception of what running is versus back in the seventies when everybody was, you know, circling the track with their stopwatch and their split shorts. Right. And now it's like, it's a run walk and it's a party and it's, you know, challenging yourself at your level. Right. It's not necessarily like, you know, running all out for as fast as you can for, you know, 13.1 miles. Right. Right. And it, like Ashley said, I think it takes people um, a while to to see what it's all about. But the great thing about BGR is that there are so many examples of women who had never run in their life, um, were never athletes or, you know, whatever the story may be, and who absolutely love it. And just with the power of social media, they've been able to really um, light this fire and create this viral movement and by sharing it with their friends and family that everybody wants to get on board, which, you know, that's the best thing that could happen. So it's been really cool to see women from all walks of life, all shapes, all sizes, fall in love with running like we did. So, so that's kind of leads me to one of the questions we had, which is the, I'm intrigued by the, what's your testimony? So is that mm -hmm. like BGR's version of an inspirational before and after pictures? Yeah. So, um, I don't know how familiar you are with the black church, but, um, you know, in church there's, there's always like testimony service. I remember as a kid being subjected to testimony service, <laughs> so, you know, it's something that, um, I think black women can identify with It's giving their testimony, but it, you're exactly right. It's that before and after story, because, you know, what I've found is so many women are going through things and it, you know, it doesn't even have to be a weight issue. Mm -hmm. And most times weight issues is because there is something deeper going on there. So it's amazing to hear those stories, whether it's running through a divorce or running through um, being laid off, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And they use running as a tool to cope and um, come out on the other side, a completely different person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nice. And are those testimonies, are they on your website? Yes. Yes. Okay. So are there any that stick out um, that, that either make you laugh that you can think of specifically now or, you know, or resonated deeply and I'm putting you on the spot. I realize. So if you, if you can't think of a specific one, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. I think my favorite one, and this is one that actually kind of went viral for us was a girl named Angel and she ran Disney um, and she, you know, definitely, I guess, wouldn't fit the mold of what you think of as a, your typical runner in terms of her physical shape or, um, but it was just so good to read her story. And, and she, she's, it was just really powerful. And she ends up with saying like, you know, I realize I am a runner, mm -hmm. um, because I think it's so mental that people don't even think that they can do it. Um, and, and that's just like a common thing that we see over and over is like, it takes a long time. I mean, it took her running 13.1s. 0.1 miles to even say I am a runner. Um, and so it was just a really powerful story. So, and is that where the hashtag I am a runner came from, from Angel's story? 
or no? Yeah, yeah, it was like we went through. I think last year was it had to be the year of I am a runner. We have uh, really great ambassadors, and they kind of just came up with this concept of you know what, own it. Um, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter where you've come from. Um, you're a runner as soon as you put one step in front of the other. So we just kind of took that and ran with it. And so now it's become part of, I guess, programming. Okay, so we had the hashtag I have a runner. And then we also know that you guys um, uh, have a tagline, which we love, preserve the sexy. And you had yeah. a preserve the sexy tour last year. You know, talk a little bit about that and what the campaign is about or was about. Yeah, you know what? It's so funny. When we first started using preserve the sexy, we didn't know like who if people were gonna like it um and so the backstory is i dated this guy and he would always just say i'm trying to preserve my sexy and he ran six miles a day um you know he was always lifting and he was like i just want to preserve my sexy and so i thought it was just so fitting to use with the groups um and so once we started using it and people i would sign emails like preserving the sexy actually and so people loved it <laughs> i love that <laughs> Yeah, people loved it. And at first I was like, oh, I don't know how they'll take it. And so it became really empowering to people um, and kind of took on a life of its own. So it was just really fitting that when we did the tour last year that we named it the Preserve the Sexy Tour um, because we were really reaching out to a lot of new runners and people who just want to, you know, our whole thing is like, this is a lifestyle. This is for a lifetime. Um, you, you know, maintaining your health and even looking good. Um, and so people really just can relate to that. So that that reminds me of a, a mother runner that we profiled. I believe she lived in Brooklyn. I remember she had to overcome kind of um, some stereotypes in her neighborhood. It was a um, largely African-American neighborhood. And when she started running, people were saying to her like, oh, you're going to lose a whole bunch of weight and you're not going to look very sexy. And, you know, nobody's going to want to – I think she was a single mom at the time. She's like, they were like, no one's going to want to date a skinny black girl. And so, I mean, I guess when I saw Preserve the Sexy, I thought maybe it was sort of – you know, an allusion to that or something, or is that, was I reading something wrong into it? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's definitely, that whole storyline is something that, um, our girls can relate to because people, um, I guess, you know, even with black men saying, don't lose your curves. Um, but I think that, you know, our girls have kind of taken it and put it, put a different twist on it. And it's more about, you know, preserving, um, preserving your health, <laughs> most mm -hmm. important. And then, you know, and, and it is about looking good. Um, what everyone, you know, whatever that looks like for an individual. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. And the campaign, I mean, I'm intrigued. Did you have like, was like a, like a political campaign? Like, do you have a bus? Like, you know, black girls run bus, taking, taking a tour by storm a la presidential campaign? Or what did you guys do? Did you, how many cities did you stop in? What, what was the, what was the purpose for the visits? It was not that fancy, I would I say. Wish, oh. yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds good anyways. Um, but yeah, so last year we went to, was it six or seven, seven, seven cities, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and so it was just really cool. We would come into town and uh, set up our, at the venue, and then we would have speakers to come in and talk to all the uh, attendees about nutrition, how to get started running, hair, um, and then just do like a lot of Q and A. Mm -hmm. So, so you talk about that. You um, you mentioned on hair, and I, I have to say that from from you know talking to a couple um, African American bloggers who are runners and things like that, that I feel like there's a whole concerns about black women's hair that have that that you know as a 
you know, white woman with kind of just wavy hair that just hates humidity and but d- doesn't mind exercising. Like, can you talk to us a little bit about what it is that African-American women feel they're having to deal with with exercising on their hair? Yeah, it's it's really, I guess, complicated depending on how you maintain your hair. So you can either have... Um, a relaxer, which is when it's permanently straightened, or you can be natural, which is when um, you haven't done any chemical processing to your hair and it is um, it can be curly, kinky, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. The problem with hair, though, is that most for most black women, you spend eighty to a hundred dollars every week or every two weeks at the hair salon. Mm. Wow. So after I get my hair done on a Friday, you know, and I just pay $80. I'm not so sure I want to go to the gym and sweat it out. Mm. And by sweating it out means like it gets all wet and nasty and frizzy and there's nothing you can really do with it except for maybe go back to the salon again or spend two hours doing your own hair. Mm. So that's the conundrum (laughs) that most black women faces you know, um, because, you know, you work in a professional environment or whatever the case may be, you want to make sure that your hair is always presentable. So it becomes challenging trying to navigate that. Sure. What, what, do you have any tips? Like, do you like have a good schedule or something you could recommend or, um, you know, it really depends on, on you, yeah. yeah. I used to when I had when I did wear my hair straight. This is a while ago, and I was I I would run like every day, um, or if I knew like okay I want to like look good this weekend, I would run Monday through Thursday and wash my hair Thursday night and straighten it, and then I wouldn't run again until Monday. Wow, because I mean, <laughs> what? Because I mean, I think about that a lot of people you know kind of run long on the weekends, and so to. To, you know, think like, oh, okay, I'm not going to do that because it'll make my hair not look good. I mean, I think I think maybe place like New York where a lot of women um, get blowouts or something like that. I've, I've talked to a couple like New York editors or whatever, and they'll kind of plan their workouts based on that. But I didn't I didn't, yeah. didn't realize how much planning went into it. Um, yeah, but- a lot of planning goes into it. And, um, you know, even with me, my hair is natural, but I want to start getting into the pool mm-hmm. a lot more. So I'm even having like this internal struggle of how I'm going to do that. Does that mean going to the gym at 5 a.m. so I can be at work by... 10 because it's going to take at least two hours for me to do my hair. Wow. Wow. That's dedication. (laughs) I give you major props for that. I give you major props. Or you know what you could do? You could just move to someplace here like Portland and where, you know, anything goes. And I mean, I think I didn't wash my hair for numerous days on end. And I don't, I don't even think, I'm not even sure I look in a mirror most days. So (laughs) got to move somewhere where the bar is a whole lot lower. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Atlanta and Portland are kind of polar opposites, I think, as far as beauty maintenance goes. So. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and along those lines, and I hope that this question isn't offensive, and if it is, um, you know, we can cut it out of the podcast. But, you know, I mean, I'm almost 6'4", and I feel like when I walk into a room, everybody turns around like they just notice me because I'm just the person that doesn't look like everybody else, right? And it's no, you know, part of the reason why you started your organization, you said, was to kind of get a solidarity among black girls. And I'm just wondering what it feels like to be at a race when you look around and you're like, wow, you know, there are maybe a handful of people here that look like me. I mean, is that is that hard or is that just life as an African-American? 
You know, it's kind of life as African-American, but it still feels isolating. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, for example, you know, we've been doing this for a while. So, you know, to go to a race and have, you know, 100 black girls run members there is nothing. Um, So you do feel like, oh, man, you know, my crew is here. It's going to be awesome. But we went to Disney, the Disney Marathon last year. And at one point I was standing around and I was like, Ashley, do you realize we're the only two black women and actually black people here? Mm. And it's, it was weird because it was the first time that I felt that way at a racing event. Mm. And, um, you know, it, it kind of is what it is, but it, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard to go because if you run in races, like i I run in Atlanta, just moved down from New York, like ran up in New York. Like those are, di- those can be pretty diverse mm-hmm. for the running world. So, I mean, and when we were in Disney, it was like, wow, this is really white. I mean, Disney, <laughs> Disney. Yeah, Disney was really white. I mean, yeah, it's snow white. Uh-huh. This year I came over, I was like, <laughs> Like, thank God. And even, like, the, um, some of the other characters that are supposed to be, like, ethnic are white people. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, so the, uh, who's the, um, oh, gosh, the one. Who, no, 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 I was saying about the woman in uh, Princess and the Frog. Um, she has a pretty name. Begins with T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so, but then you you have um, your Black Girls Run running groups, and they're, what, in, like, more than 30 states. So, you know, that must be really powerful to to have those groups and talk to us about the numbers and, and um, how they're spreading. Yeah. So we have 70 running groups across the country, um, about 96,000 members. Wow. And wow. it's just been, it's been amazing. Um, you know, we're in most major markets and these girls really just take their group and run with it. And they are so excited and so passionate. I don't think that Ashley and I, knew it was going to be, it was going to be like this. Um, but we couldn't have a better group of women, you know, supporting the cause and really being proactive about their health. So, you know, we look to continue to grow hopefully internationally at some point. Um, but you know, obviously there's a lot of, a lot of black women out there who want to run. So as long as they want to run, we're fair, you know, it's fair game. You're there. Well, well, and so that's a good segue into your um, walk before you run series. And that's, a, is that a series of virtual races you're having this year? Yes. Right? Okay. First of all, we got to say, we love the catchphrase. It starts with one step and ends with victory. So, so tell us about the series and the virtual races and how people can participate. Sure. The, the virtual races um, actually came from, you know, we do a big racing conference every year and we decided for the people who couldn't make it to Charlotte, we wanted to give them an opportunity to run in solidarity with us. And we had such a a large turnout. We were like, wow, why don't we take our walk before you run program and do a series of races? So the walk before you run program is essentially like a couch to 5k. It is, um, What's different, though, is that there's three weeks of nothing but walking 30 minutes a day. Mm. And I think that is so important because at that point it becomes manageable. You know, it, running is intimidating with itself in itself. Mm-hmm. So to get out, you know, to tell someone and say, get out and run for 30 minutes. Well, I don't even I don't even know what that looks like. I don't know what that means, but everybody can walk. And so the Walk Before You Run program is 11 weeks, three weeks of running 
and takes you to running your first 5K. And um, with each virtual race, everyone, every participant receives a medal. Each medal would be different. And so hopefully it's just another way to engage our members, um, particularly people who might, you know, might have not been to a Black Girls Run um, outing before or might may not have a group in their city. It's still a way for them to um, be a part of the fun. Awesome. Well, um, I th- we really appreciate you joining us. This was um, interesting to talk with you, and we look forward to seeing you on social media and, and hope that um, some of our listeners uh, search out a, either a Black Girls Run running group or find you online. So thanks so much for joining us, Tony and Ashley. Thank you. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you. sound like a lively group of women. I mean, my gosh, they have almost 100,000 members. And I remember the race they were at in, in Atlanta, the Zuma Women's Half Marathon when it was in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. And, um, and there, I mean, Zuma creates an after race party atmosphere. I mean, that's their whole thing. Mm-hmm. So they have a band, they have a live band, but I remember the dancing and it oh, was like... Yeah. it was awesome they all ran half marathons and then it's like they left it on the dance floor oh yeah it was like line dancing and everything that was i had forgotten about that that was and it was one year it was so cold and it was like oh yeah let's you know suddenly the whole room like heated up 10 minute 10 degrees (laughs) with everybody dancing that was a lot of fun that's great that's great well yeah and so we can find them at blackgirlsrun.com is that the best place to kind of find them and find their facebook page and twitter and all that exactly yeah yeah so good. So, well, and if you uh, want to visit us on Facebook, we are Run Like a Mother, the book. Our website is anothermotherrunner.com. On Twitter and Instagram, we are The Mother Runner. And our books, Run Like a Mother and Train Like a Mother, are available on Amazon as well as on our own site. And wherever you are and whoever you're running with, many happy miles.